0: Welcome to One Move at a Time, the U.S. Chess podcast that explores people and organizations who are advancing our educational mission statement of empowering people through chess one move at a time. Our goal is to give you ideas and methods you can use in your own community to help you build chess in your area. U.S. Chess is a 501c3 nonprofit. You can find more information about us at uschess.org. You can become a member by clicking on the join button. And you can donate to our cause by clicking on the gift button. Thank you to USCF Sales for sponsoring this podcast. At the end of this recording, you can hear how you can win a $50 gift certificate to USCFsales.com. Now, let's welcome our guest to this month's pod. So I'd like to welcome to our show... Robin Ramson of Washington, D.C. Robin graduated from Howard University in the radiation therapy program and was employed as a radiographer, mammographer, and radiation therapist for over 18 years. Currently, she homeschools her daughter and is self-employed as the owner of a bed-and-breakfast inn in Washington, D.C. But most importantly for our purposes, she is the founder and executive director of Chess Girls D.C. in Washington, D.C., And I'm really looking forward to talking to her uh, about how she is going about expanding our empowering people through chess, one move at a time mission statement. So, Robin, welcome to One Move at a Time.
1: Oh, thank you. Thank you for having me.
0: Let's just go right to the beginning. How did Chess Girls DC come about?
1: Literally, it was just by accident. My daughter and I played chess at the local library and just randomly, I purchased a pink chessboard. I noticed that there were not a lot of girls playing, but that didn't ha- did not have anything to do with the chessboard. But when we started playing chess at the library, girls started engaging us as though it were a new game that they had never seen before. And I purchased chessboards for the library, and girls started to show up in large numbers, and just. It took off and the library closed for renovation and we started a club, just a social club at a local restaurant called the Bee Cafe. The girls followed us and it continued by accident.
0: What made you want to focus on girls specifically from the very beginning? Did you right away have some kind of experience or did your daughter have an experience with boys in chess that made her think, you know what, let's... let's, Just focus on the girls.
1: Not initially. It was sort of um, as the club grew uh, just subtly, I started seeing this overlying theme of uh, boys are so much better, Um, boys always win, not specifically from my daughter, but just like a mumbling within the uh, club itself. We initially focused on the fact that um, girls just need a special place. I do a lot of studying through my homeschool experience with Sarah about girls and performance and confidence. And I think that um, that is where the intersection met between my homeschool research, trying to develop my daughter into just a better thinker and the chess club itself. So I, I think it was a random intersection. But the mumbling about every time we would play boys, oh, boys are better, boys are better. it Really, as an adult, you see that boys should spend their time doing certain things more than girls. And I think that was the engine that drove it, that girls need to have a space that they enjoy. Boys spend time playing chess in spaces that they enjoy. I noticed that girls did not like the dark colors that were Um, normally involved in chess, and the just the natural attraction of the girls to what we were doing, it just came together organically.
0: One of the things that you've been successful with with Chess Girls DC is preparing girls to play in national events. uh, Is that about the only time that they end up playing boys, and do you prepare them in any specific way, uh, that oh, now now you're playing in an open event. it may be a little bit different than when you're just playing your your girlfriends.
1: Initially, we did not. Over the in the first three years, we used a lot of bright colors because we were attracting girls, and this is probably a transformation of myself as a nonprofit leader <laughs> involved in a lot of this. So initially, we were just playing in local events and using a lot of colors, and I didn't know any better because even though I played chess in high school, I was not deeply involved in chess as an adult. So basically, you're taking an outsider's point of view and just believing that it can be done. So we would show up at our at the chess tournaments with our bright colors, and a lot of people would say, oh, that's a distraction. But I didn't care because, you know, I'm an outsider and I don't know any better. But when my daughter was five, we attend, We started attending n- more regional tournaments just for fun. Because why do you practice anything if you're not going to apply it? So it became more about the application of a skill.
0: You said that you played in high school. Is that when you started playing? Did you learn the game in high school?
1: In middle school, about eighth grade and... You're right. I was the only girl and I basically started playing chess because that's where you tutored algebra. I was horrible at math and that's where all the good tutors were and they just happened to be boys and our the history teacher used to throw out chess boards and the only people who were there were boys but I really wanted to be tutored and you had to fit in so I had to learn how to play chess. It wasn't intentional. It was just the way it happened. If I was going to be
0: tutored. <laughs> Do you remember any particular experiences with boys and chess that were either particularly positive for you or negative for you that maybe spurred your advancement as a chess player or made you back away from being a chess player?
1: You know, I've thought about that and it, I didn't have any experiences. So this whole thing about boys were better was new to me. it might be part of my personality. I have a personality in which when I get focused on doing something, I'm completely numb to the environment around me. I have like a a horse with blinders on. So if I go into an environment saying I'm going to learn something, this is what I'm going to do. It doesn't matter. I, I wouldn't even notice if someone was segregating me or discriminating against me or treating because I'm so focused on getting good, becoming better. So that might be part of my personality. It might have been there, but I didn't notice it.
0: Girls that are coming to your organization for the first time, is it word of mouth? uh, Have they heard about you through school or friends? Where's the growth coming from in your organization?
1: The growth is coming from parents, um, word of mouth through parents. I don't advertise at all. We're completely a volunteer organization. So I don't want to overwhelm the club or um, uh, create a, uh, uh, you know, promise something that's not there. We are Completely word of mouth, and the girls are essentially coming from Washington D.C. We have a few from Maryland and Virginia. Um, we, we, you know, actually we have some from some deeper parts of Maryland that are probably about an hour away, and some from Northern Virginia. Just because it's such a unique club, and um, I think also because it's on Saturday, if you have a chess program at your school, you certainly don't. Play on Saturdays. And I think also I'm hearing a lot of experiences where girls feel very disqualified in school when they play in their chess club at school. The boys just disqualify them as being winners or possibly being uh, good, good, um, competent opponents.
0: So, when you describe Chess Girls DC as un, as a unique club, are you referring specifically to the girls only aspect, or is there are there other parts about it that make it unique?
1: I th- well, the girls only aspect, but the other parts of it that make it unique are we invest we invest about three or four hundred dollars in online uh, learning. We ev- no matter how many girls I expect. I always buy 35 or 40 memberships to chesskids.com. And I always invest in a curriculum that involves books. Um, and I think that's something that I've researched it. No one in my metropolitan area does. Some people may buy the chesskids.com but I, uh, accounts, but um, we actually follow the kids intensely, and we give them awards based on the skill level that they finish with at the end of the semester. And we hold the parents accountable. We we The parents have to stay with the children during our chess club meetings. It's not a drop-off program. So I think those couple of things make us very unique.
0: And I imagine that at least a, a certain number of parents that are bringing their kids to your organization were very surprised to find out that there was organized chess activity. They probably just thought of chess as a board game with nothing else past there. What There must be some misconceptions that they have coming in that you have to disavow them of. Can you talk about that a bit?
1: You know, I think that these most of the parents that I've met don't have any idea they just know that chess is a game that develops thinking and that and that is where we start chess is a game but de- they have no idea about tournaments they have no idea that their are curriculums built around it they have no idea that you know scientifically the neural pathways that chess develops are significant towards making them better um, scientists or engineers They have no idea that great leaders really have the same skills in common as great chess players. So these are the overlying themes in in addition to chess strategy that we make the parents aware of.
0: And one thing that I've found intriguing over the years with your organization, because it's led to some of our best photos in Chess Life and Chess Life Kids, where your success in attracting are two recent US women's champions uh, to make appearances at your club uh, Nazi Pakiczi and Sabina Forser uh, not not every organizer will go that step of attracting a top level player to their facility um, is it is that a hard thing to do do you would you say it's easy um, I
1: think that as a leader of a nonprofit you just have to be Relentless and shameless about letting everybody know what your needs are. And that was something that I wanted the children to become exposed to and the parents. Because the parents really make it happen. And when the parents see great talent, um, they think of the promise that their children hold. And so I have just been shameless and relentless about asking everybody, can you help me introduce my children to this person, to that person? And it, it doesn't happen quickly, necessarily. You know, it took me. I have been talking to Sabina since she was uh, going to school at Maryland. And she finally found a place in her life where she was close enough to drive to Washington, D.C. And so she remembered the long conversations um, that we had about why more girls don't play chess and what would attract them. And um, I'd say the same thing with Nazi. I just been asking everyone in the community, would you please tell her um, that I would love for her to meet the girls? And there was just a space in passing through um, where she came over to meet the girls. Claudia Munoz, she just happened to be passing close enough to Washington where she came over to meet the girls. So I think being ready, but letting everyone know how sincere you are and how um, you really feel like their presence would
0: give. In your five years now uh, as an organization, do you have records on how many girls total you've had as members?
1: Yes, I do. I've had, um, I don't have that number for you, but I can tell you and I can prove that on average every semester I've had at least 25 girls. Some of them wrote some of them rotate through. I'd say we've had maybe 15 who jump in and out but rotate through on a consistent level, like at least come back for four or five sessions, always meet us at the tournaments even if they have another class that competes with our time um, during the Saturday.
0: And are you focusing only on elementary age girls or older as well?
1: No, I am so desperate to get big girls involved, middle school and teenagers involved. I am so, but you know what happens? They come to our class, the parents do bring them and they see all of these little girls who are performing at high levels. And I think they get discouraged right now. I have four, maybe eighth graders, seventh or eighth graders that I'm trying to hold on to. Excuse me. And I'm hoping that they will stay their parents. I think the key is the parents have to bring them to regional events where they see other big girls. We have um, we're next door to some amazing young ladies in northern Virginia. And my parents try to get them to these events, but then they get a little discouraged because the talent is so good. But it's a process. And so if they can understand that it's a process of building your skill and um, you have to give it your time. You have to do the chess puzzles. You have to do, you know, all the things you would do to polish any talent.
0: And who is helping you? Uh, do you have em- employees or volunteers uh, that are teaching the kids?
1: Yes, I have volunteers. Our, you know, our goal in 2019 is to have a paid staff, but that's, and and that's what we think would make us a more sustainable organization. But, for the last almost two years, we've had National Master David Bennett. He has donated so much time and talent and everything he has to our organization. And I'm so grateful. And, and Paul Swaney comes in and he pinch hits sometimes. And um, so we are hoping, because it's, it's certainly gotten beyond my basic level of chess knowledge, but see, that. But see that's the important thing about having your online learning, because if I'm really in a pinch and my teachers are occupied, so for instance, David's getting ready to have a baby, I will turn on chesskids.com and we will go through the videos and I will point and click and then they will play chess and no one knows.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, it also makes me curious uh, as a bed and breakfast proprietor, do you... Uh, have chess sets out in your, your B&B facility? Have you ever turned a non-chess player into a chess player because of it?
1: I've never converted a non-chess player into a chess player, but we do. We've always had chess boards at the um, at the end. It's, it's, in du- it's actually in DuPont Circle, and DuPont Circle is um, known for all the chess boards in the park and all the local talent playing chess in the park. So it's actually in DuPont Circle.
0: Well, go ahead and give a plug to the name of your... Uh, facility.
1: It's called the Inn at DuPont Circle, but it's very it's very modest. It's it's business fair, but it's right in front of the DuPont Circle subway station. So if you're looking for um someplace great to stay at a great rate in the central part of the city, we're four blocks away from the White House, um that's your that's your space. The Inn at DuPont Circle. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and anybody who's not been to Washington or not been to Dupont Circle, it's a, it's a lot of fun to watch the chess players um, it, at the Dupont Circle Park. Yes, it is.
1: It's a lot of fun.
0: Now, as a nonprofit, I think I know the answer to this question. But what is your biggest challenge to sustainability for Chess Girls DC? I'm going to assume you're going to say money, but maybe you'll surprise me.
1: You know, money is um, a big challenge. But we have because we're volunteers. Or led organization, it's it's not as big of a deal. Um, I say infrastructure, keeping teachers on board. I'm looking to develop a new board of directors. I I really I don't have a, currently a working board of directors. I have uh, a few grandparents who love to write checks, which is good, but I need a board of directors who um, understands event planning and accounting. And so that would be my, that would be my wish. People who, I mean, I do a great job, but heaven forbid if I should bump my head. And I, usually for donations, our parents donate. They have lovely parents who will even sponsor a child. Uh, I can usually, insurance is probably our biggest uh, budget item. We spend about $3,000 a year in insurance to cover everyone, our board and and our volunteers. But, um, I mean, money is always great, but believe it or not, money won't fix everything.
0: No, it's, it's always the dedication of the, the people behind the money that, that makes the difference. It
1: is. I don't know where David Bennett came from, but he is an angel sent from God. He really is.
0: Uh, one of the intriguing uh, items that I saw on your website, which is chessgirlsdc.org, is the Chess Players and Leadership Series. Uh, tell us a little bit about that.
1: So I can't. I I've given given it a lot of thought, and most of the girls who come through my organization will not be grandmasters. But if they can remember that the skills they learn playing chess will also aid them in leadership, that's a big deal. So every uh, quarter, I've been so caught up in tournaments this quarter. But every quarter, we try to have an amazing leader, someone who's at the very top of their industry. So we've had um, Admiral Michelle Howard. We've had Donna Cooper. We've had the highest ranked fire chief in our area, who's a woman. And basically what the women do, say, for instance, Admiral Howard, she talked about confidence. And confidence was something she needed to lead a group of men in the Navy on a ship Um, she always knew that she wanted to be a great leader in the Navy at a time where women didn't have opportunities. And so she talked about that and the girls can relate to that. And Donna Cooper, who's the president of Pepco, the utility company, talked about, she's essentially an attorney, but she talked about how she had a strategy because she always wanted to serve in corporate America. And she talked about her strategy that she used to, um, become president of Pepco and the uh, highest ranked female in the fire department in our area she also talked about how she had to have a strategy to put out a fire because the fire has its own brain and how men never think that she's a worthy leader And And so that's basically it our theme of great leaders have the same skills in common as great chess players because it lines up it lines up completely.
0: So you are running a B&B, you're a homeschool teacher, and you're doing Chess Girls D.C. How about how many hours a week do you have to invest in Chess Girls D.C.?
1: You know what? If you let my husband tell it, he'll say in excess of 40 hours. But it re- <laughs> I have taken on the responsibility of being the scholastic director for Washington, D.C., and I've added on a lot of planning tournaments. This year, it was a little rough, but um, I would say on the average week, maybe 20, 20 hours. Closer to term tournament time, it's maybe 25, but I kind of use a lot of things from the club so I don't have to recreate. I might have a different banner. I'm big on banners and marketing, but in terms of the equipment, once I made the decision, this is the colors that we're going to use, and this is the theme we're going to use, it pretty much runs itself. And I also partner with two other organizations, the U.S. Chess Center, um, Mr. Mailer, the president of the, and Mr. Tichi, the U.S. Chess Center, and Capital Area Chess with Am- Anand Plati. and I use them as tournament directors. So I would always encourage people not to be afraid to host chess tournaments in your area because you can always partner with another organization in the community that does it all the time. So that takes a lot of stress off of you.
0: I'm sure. And and as you build on those relationships, and since you've just completed your first five years as an organization, where do you see Chess Girls DC when we talk again after 10 years? What are your immediate goals and long-term goals?
1: Well, one of one goal that I've been working on that's getting ready to materialize this year is creating a scholarship fund for girls who play chess. And what that looks like is um, like a carrot that schools would, it would encourage schools to invest in chess programs because they know that there's a scholarship fund out here for girls who play chess. And we are we partnered with an organization. It was It's really a restaurant, Ben's Chili Bowl Foundation. They're about 60 years old and they already had a scholarship um, fund. And last year they gave us $2,000 to award to a child who was talented at chess and on their way to college. And it was very successful. We gave $1,000 to the top boy and $1,000 to the top girl. But, I don't want a mission creep away from what I'm supposed to be doing. So we are focusing on girls. And we're having a golf tournament, November 12th, Veterans Day of this year. And we hope to raise about $20,000 to use towards girls who play chess in Washington, D.C. They will, we're going to have a requirement. that They will have had to play um, USCF rated tournaments for at least a year and headed to college. So, we're, and we'll pay the money directly to the college. So, that is getting ready to materialize. I'm, the golf tournament is on its way. I'm, so, my goal was to try to reach out to non chess players to support the chess program and to encourage more girls to play chess.
0: Oh, that, that's really interesting. And I, I'm curious are you a golfer yourself? Is that why you went the golf tournament route?
1: My husband and my daughter play golf. My daughter plays um, golf all over the East Coast. She plays in Pinehurst, North Carolina. Last year, when she was eight years old, she won a Northern Virginia eight-year-old golf tour, junior kids golf. And so they're the golfers in the family. (laughs) (laughs)
0: <laughs> <laughs> so hopefully we have some listeners that are inspired by this story and are would, would like to get something going similarly in their own metro area. What would be your advice to anybody that wants to get a program, maybe specifically a, a girls' chess program off the ground in a metro area, especially what would the first steps be?
1: You know what this may take a little bit of work but I think long term your life is going to be easier if you just apply to become a nonprofit organization honest to god because people want to donate they want to see people serving they they really it costs a little bit of money but if you could take up a collection at your with your initial audience who's interested in participating or just Maybe I asked some business people, could you just donate the eight hundred dollars? Because once you become a nonprofit organization, the donations can be um, used. I mean, you can get your five. You can get the tax deductible status for that donation. I think 24 months prior. I'm not you have to check that. But 24 months prior to the um, application being accepted. So it's it's about eight hundred dollars. But if you are committed to creating a chess club, that would make your life so much easier. It's not as difficult and you don't need an attorney. It's just a simple online process for a small organization initially the first year. It's so worth it to become a nonprofit. I mean, it seems like a lot for most people. But if you want this thing to take off and it forces you also to create a team to begin with, Because it's a lot to be responsible for by yourself.
0: Is that online process through the IRS website or somewhere else?
1: No, through the IRS website. It's a very simple form that you can fill out. You can become a foundation initially, which is a simpler form. Uh, You can call the IRS. They're very very eager to help you. They're very nice about it. They can tell you the right forms. But... Um, You know, you could just start meeting in a restaurant or someplace simple in a library until you establish who your
0: audience is. I'm sorry. Did I hear you say the IRS is eager to help and very nice about it?
1: Yes, they are. They are. They are. They are. I'm telling you, they want you to do the right thing. They are so nice, really
0: yeah, well, I'm scared now that my sarcastic question is gonna lead to me being audited this year. so
1: no, but you know, a lot of people think becoming a nonprofit is this big, scary process. And when you become a public charity, yes, it's a fifteen page document. but nine, only seventy percent, like only thirty percent of that document actually applies to um, creating a chess club. Most of it is for, Oh, churches and fraternities and sororities, it's a big document that has, and for your first year, everything's probably going to be no, 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 zero, 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 community chess club. So don't be afraid to look into it. I mean, I certainly don't have a legal background. I have a background in healthcare, but don't be afraid to look into it. And in some states, they have their state bar association has a pro bono section. And that's the other place where you can get free legal advice as much as you need. So Washington, D.C. has the D.C. Bar Association pro bono division. And they give you amazing advice. They, they help you in any way that you need. Um, that's, if, if you really have a big dream, that's what I would do.
0: And if anybody uh, is needing more information, uh, how can they reach you?
1: They can reach me at chessgirlsdc at gmail.com.
0: And of course, uh, the website, as we stated earlier, is chessgirlsdc.org.
1: Yes. And the other thing um, I would say that's easy for people, don't be afraid to make a personal website for your your club. GoDaddy has some really simple solutions, just point and click. Um, So making a website does not have to be expensive. I have a website for about $12 a month. And um, it's it's easy peasy, lemon squeezy.
0: <laughs> and on that note, I'm going to thank you very much, Robin. This has been ver- most interesting and informative. So thank you for joining our One Move at a Time podcast.
1: Oh, you're welcome. Thank you. Bye-bye for now. Bye-bye.
0: It is time to announce the winner of our first episode's contest, generously sponsored by US Chess Sales, which you can find at uscfsales.com. Congratulations to Joshua Phillips of West Virginia. Your $50 gift certificate should now be in your email inbox. If you want a chance to win a gift certificate to uscfsales.com, send your name and phone number to podcast at uschess.org and put one move at a time in the subject line. Please feel free to include a question or comment in your email. And the winner will be selected at random from all of this month's entries. Thank you for joining us for this November edition of One Move at a Time. Make sure to also listen to our other U.S. Chess podcast, Cover Stories with Chess Life, and be on the lookout for a brand new podcast coming soon from our senior digital editor, Jennifer Shahadi. Our theme music was composed by National Master Alex King of Memphis, Tennessee. I hope you have learned something of value that you can now use to help build chess in your community. Join us next month as I talk to another chess world personality who is helping to empower people through chess, one move at a time.